Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. Today, the M3 crew is joined by Lance Wagner of George C. Romero's Indie Brigade to interview director Tony Wash and discuss his ode to the horror-hosted anthologies of the past, Skeletons in the Closet. Enjoy. Yeah, so before we dive into Tony's stuff, I'm just going to give you both opportunity for an introduction. Uh, let Tony go first and tell us how you started off. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started off at uh, Tom Savini School, right? Yeah, I, uh, I went to Savini's effects school after I graduated regular college and wasn't really enjoying what I was doing with my life. And uh, so I decided I always wanted to be a filmmaker, and I thought special effects school would be a really... Um, different way to to jump into the industry as opposed to going to a film school like every other wannabe director. Um, so while I was out in Pittsburgh from 2004 to 2006, I uh, spent the last semester shooting my first feature. It's my party and I'll die if I want to, which is a choose your own adventure horror movie. It's very Night of the Demons, Evil Dead creep show. Uh-huh. And uh, it's got Tom Savini in it for a little bit. So it's a fun movie, and uh, that just kind of kick-started it, and I've been making movies ever since, about 15 years now. Wow. And uh, Lance, how about you getting your start with Indie Brigade? How'd you get in with George? Well, uh, cool story there. Tony knows me from the STP days of Sacrificial Terror podcast, and uh, now it's Sinister Parlor. And anyway, uh, Samantha was uh, wanting, never wanted to be on screen, and we had an opportunity, George and Joe, everybody knows Blame Joe, I'm hoping by now. That should be pretty viral. And uh, Joe and Joe and Samantha had gotten pretty close, and Joe told told George one day, I would like to get the Wagners on a show, and they told us about it. We talked about it, and things were going one way with the other podcast, and here we are. We're now now we're with Romero Pictures Indie Brigade, and huge things are happening there. So brace yourself for that. Oh, we're braced. <laughs> huge <Yeah>. stuff's <laughs> coming. Apparently, it is. <laughs> I was checking out the website. I was like, good lord, okay. Yeah, a lot there's of, a lot of stuff going on there. You guys do tutorials and all kinds of stuff, right? There's a there's a mentor program. You can talk to, uh, and I'm gonna block Mick Strawn. You can talk to uh, Michael uh, Mandeville. Uh, it picked up Michael Mandeville did the uh, produced the Taken uh, franchise. Uh, there's just all kind of neat things to do. Um, Richard Grieco starting a new show uh, soon, and the most recent one just announced is Tiffany Shepis is coming over 
to the uh, Romero Pictures Indian Brigade. So huge, huge things happening. And then just other stuff with George is going on is just getting ready to blow up. Oh, buddy. Yeah, I know so, he's got some stuff in the pipeline. With heavy with heavy metal. And it's yeah. huge. Heavy, heavy metal is about to come back in a big way. Oh, yeah. So be, be ready for that. Um, uh, that's it. That's it for me. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for oh, having me, guys. Right, right. Of and course. Tony, no, we'll circle back to that. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. We're going to get back into that. Tony, uh, you got some stuff going on YouTube with Scott's Worthy TV, too, right? Yeah, I mean, I so I just kind of started getting a YouTube channel going. I I was never really huge into YouTube. I I don't know why. I think it's just there's too much shit on there. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and uh, I always had a bunch of my trailers and stuff on Vimeo. Um, but Vimeo doesn't really get the same type of traffic as YouTube does. And right. during this whole quarantine thing, you know, some of my filmmaking buddies were just like, well, you know, why aren't you... I've been talking about doing different things with World of Death, which is the web series that I curate through bloodydisgusting.com. Mm. And uh, I've been wanting to like syndicate it and, and, you know, kind of get more exposure for it in different means. And so I thought if I started a YouTube channel, I could not only host a lot of my own content there, but also, you know, syndicate World of Death, as I said. And I do uh, a no bullshit filmmaking roundtable at the days of the dead conventions uh, i co-hosted with vincent uh, desanti who did never hike alone mm. um and so uh, we've been talking about turning that into a podcast and wow. just you know opportunity for a bunch of different things um and and i thought that scotchworthy tv would be a cool place for horror fans to go and check out some cool independent horror stuff but you know it's tough i also just bought a house so i'm like I'm I'm already spread thin enough as is on top of the day job. Um, so, but uh, it's cool. It, it's been a lot of fun. We spent the last six weeks pretty much going through my catalog of work and doing live watch parties. And my yeah, cinematographer that. and co-producer, uh, Robert Patrick Stern, on most of my films, he and I work together. He's been kind of co-hosting the show with me. And we've been having a good time going back and watching all of our old movies. So that's, that's really cool. Um, how long have you been doing the panels at Days of the Dead? Uh, I actually started a year ago this weekend. We were at Vegas um, and Brooklyn Ewing, who runs the uh, House of Indie Horror or Indie House of Horror. I, I can never get it right. Um, she does like the independent horror bracket of content that is featured at the Days of the Dead conventions. And she and I've been good friends for a while. And she's just like, you know. I, I would love to get you roped in a little more um, specifically than just being on the filmmaker panel. What are you interested in doing? And I was like, honestly, I would love to change the approach of the the panel discussions, you know, instead of having a bunch of filmmakers or actors in front of a group of people watching and asking questions. I'd rather if we're all sitting around a table together talking and that way, if there's filmmakers in the audience, they're actually a part of the discussion because everybody's experience making a movie is different than everybody else's. And so we can all learn from each other, um, whether you've been doing it only through school or in your mom's backyard or if you Amen. All right. Sorry to interrupt. I absolutely <laughs> love that. That's the I mean, the way you talk is I mean, this I do the same with my panels. It's the, I, the same way. Get down off the podium, look them in the eye or sit level with them at a table and have a discussion. Because, I mean, I end up learning more 
just talking to the people. They, I ain't got shit to tell anybody. They know more than I do. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just have to talk to somebody. And whenever you start bouncing your ideas around it, that's where you start getting the creativity. So yeah, I am with you 180% on that. Yeah, I completely agree. And so I did, I did one in Vegas and it was a lot of fun. And then, um, Brooklyn had asked me to come back and do it again in Chicago, which is where I live. So it was easy to do that in November. And, and at that point she had suggested that Vincent come on and, and co-host it with me and, and Vince and I have known each other for a couple of years now. Um, you know, we've, we've been in a bunch of the conventions together and he's, I mean, you know, he created a, a an incredible, um, kind of way of, of knocking down the industry and, and introducing himself with never hike alone. You know, it's got over a million views and, and it's just really created a, quite a, uh, impression for him as a filmmaker and in the horror community. And so it was really cool to get him involved. And, uh, so then we also were in Atlanta in February and, uh, did one there. So we've only done three now, but, um, like I said, we're talking about taking them virtual and, uh, trying to it's a really cool concept um we we actually had a, a call a couple weeks ago about it and like i said with everything that's been going on in this crazy ass world right now i we've kind of been putting it on the side a little bit but uh we will be getting it off the ground at some point when we do it's I, i'm really excited about the potential so sounds really cool well i think it's time to take the gloves off if we want to get into uh skeletons in the closet daniel if you want to go ahead and dive in there all right well i mean before we before i dive in let's go ahead and start it off with the what led you to skeletons in the closet i mean you know it doesn't have to be a dissertation or anything or you know when i grew up in a small tenement prone stand <laughs> on the eastern side but so there is there is way too much going on in skeletons in the closet it don't so don't bullshit me with like well it was you know just one little thing there's some sort of big time inspiration had to come at you from all sides i'm just i'm curious from the rake and from your previous filmmaking experiences what led you to skeletons in the closet well, when I was a young boy, uh, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Oh, that's good. Uh, that was a good one. No, and I'm I'm gonna try and keep my my answers shorter than normal. I tend to ramble, so just cut Wait. me off at any point. Tell me to piss off or shut up, whatever. <laughs> um, so I in college I was in a creating creative writing class, and I came up with a handful of ideas that are still in my head to this day. Um, things that I haven't developed into films and, and skeletons in the closet was one of them. It didn't have the title skeletons in the closet yet, but I just, you know, growing up, I did black and white movies as a kid, really, really young. And then I transitioned when I could start, you know, when I would go with my dad to the video store, we would rent like the Elvira VHS tapes where she would watch, you know, shitty old movies and, and make fun of them. And then from there was, you know, the color horror films and, so Elvira to me was always kind of a really cool character. And then you had the Crypt Keeper that was on HBO, which was the only movie channel that we had in my house growing up. So even though I wasn't really allowed to watch Tales from the Crypt, I always at least caught parts of it. Um, and so I just, I thought it'd be a really cool dynamic to have a male and female host because no one's ever really done that before that I've seen. And, um, you know, it's like there's either one host or hostess or there's an ensemble um, similar to what you guys have on your podcast. And so I thought it'd be cool to, to do a man and a woman. And it would be really cool if he's 
if he's dead and she's the reason he's dead because she's mm-hmm. murdered him. And the idea of keeping his body in the basement was very akin to Norman Bates with his mother and psycho. Um, and then from there, it just kind of, it, it grew. Uh, so I had that idea in my head for 20 years now. And in 2012, uh, a couple of us in Chicago started producing a movie called chop shop, um, which coincidentally okay. that's the film that's being played right. on yeah. the show skeletons in the closet in the movie. Um, decipher that sentence <laughs> the show <laughs> the movie that's playing on the show within the movie um and so we started producing chop shop which was basically four filmmakers each of us producing our own short film robert patrick stern shot all four short films with his red camera and we had the same crew more or less on on all the shorts and after we were going through post-production on that film for you know a year or two um, we shot through 2012 and 2013. I did Grandma O'Malley's Pantry, which is the little girl staying with her grandma. Um, my co-director on Skeletons in the Closet, Ben, did the Dismantler short, which is the two robbers in the graveyard, junkyard. I keep saying graveyard. And then I co-directed with Rob Stern the wraparound content where you're like kind of the first person point of view of the... Um, the guy being processed through purgatory. And so we did all that. And then these other two filmmakers made two short films and that was going to be a feature. And one thing led to another, we shot high on the hog in 2012. We started developing other stuff. We started working on world of death. We did the muck short film. We started developing the rake and eventually chop shop kind of got put on the back burner and the other two filmmakers decided to take their films and do their own thing with them. And so here it is now 2016 and we're trying to wrap up these two shorts that Ben and I had. And that's when I pitched the guys skeletons in the closet as the wraparound. And I gave the idea of, of having the little girl and her babysitter as kind of a third wraparound on top of it all. And that way we can kind of interweave between all these different stories. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I convinced everybody to get it going and we shot in March and April of 2017 to do the, the widow and Charlie stuff and the little girl and the babysitter stuff. And we edited it and released it in 2018. Was, was there uh, any specific not in a complete dichotomy from what I had just spoken, but I mean, was there any like one specific inspiration? Because obviously it's apparent we're probably close to the same age. It's obvious you grew up in this era. There's way too much in, in just the wraparound story. There is way too much going on that makes me feel like a kid. Because that was me sitting in front of the wood grain TV, the old CRT, watching old shitty horror movies late at night and stuff on a brown carpet with wood paneled walls. I didn't see the VCR on top of the TV. It was probably there. And I didn't see the NES hidden in the cabinet. But there was way too much there. So, I mean, as far as making it like an anthology or the the aesthetic of this, you just got like this hyper 80s sledgehammer to the face. Was there any one specific idea like and I mean, as and I'm not implying, you know, mimicry or anything. I mean, hell, you know, what is it? A parody is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. Uh, was like, was there any one specific movie that you wanted to try to emulate or just one that made you feel really good that you wanted to do it in this way? Honestly, I I really appreciate you saying all that. that that's a really great thing to hear. And, and I've been 
given that compliment a lot that people really identify with Jamie, you know, whether they're a, a guy or a girl, because Jamie is who all of us were. I mean, you saying what you just said is exactly what I said when I explained the Jamie storyline. It was, you know, she re is representative of me and, and every other kid who grew up in the 80s laying on that thick ass bushy carpeting <laughs> in front of a television that was a piece of furniture watching old horror movies in, in a room you know, that looked very much like that room. And um, so it was just my love letter to my to my own childhood because I missed the 80s. I thought it was such a, a, a wonderful decade to be a child. in. a lot of it is just in tune with the movies that I grew up watching. You know, Fright Night was the first like R rated colored horror film that I remember watching. And it was just amazing. It like blew me away. Um, House is another one that that I really take a lot of inspiration from and uh that explains a lot yeah and, and that's why the movie has the fun elements you know obviously you guys have seen the rake i know justin said that you guys are fans of the rake and the rake is obviously a more a much more serious horror film a much more adult mature horror film than skeletons is but to me skeletons in the closet is just meant to be a, an entertaining ride back to a, a time period when when movies were fun and meant to be entertaining you know there's nods in the story as well the the killer that's that's outside the house stalking the little girl and the babysitter is a blatant nod to halloween or pretty much any other escaped mental patient horror film from the 80s right. but specifically it's it's halloween and black christmas his name we the little girl is is Lainey Elena Carner and she's my friend Karen's daughter and Lainey and I have become really good friends she's like a, a niece to me and we while we were shooting the movie came up with the idea of this killer Billy is his name actually being her older brother coming home and escaping from the mental hospital and so it's like and you would never know that watching it but that's just kind of the story that her and I had kind of to help her character motivation and, and holy shit that is awesome <laughs> yeah and and so the cool thing was is what we really wanted to do was i always wanted to turn skeletons into a tv show and what would have happened is we would have perpetuated the storyline of not just the widow and charlie but also the little girl and so at the end you have the now the start of the show is where her parents come home and they find this dead babysitter and they see Billy, who's her brother, and they're like, what the hell are you doing home, like out of the <laughs> hospital? And they look at the little girl and they're like, you know, what did you do? You know, because she killed the babysitter kind of thing. And it was funny because my co-writer, Johnny, had it written where they blame her brother, Billy, for killing the babysitter. And the dad takes Jamie upstairs to, you know, go to bed. And while he's tucking her in, she's like, dad, you know, he's like, I'm sorry, you just shouldn't have had to see your brother do that. And she's like, well, Billy didn't kill her. I did. And he's like, oh, and he kind of has that like moment of we're like hesitation. And he's like, we won't tell your mother about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And, and so what I what what I wanted to do is I wanted to perpetuate them as the Adams family kind of story, like the Burbs, you know, the the murderous family that lives down the street. And then the widow and Charlie is perpetuated as Elvira and the Crypt Keeper. And every episode would be like 30 minutes long. They would watch a short film on their on their show. We would have time with the widow and Charlie. And then we would have time with Jamie and her family. And eventually the end of the season, 
Jamie runs away from home. And at the end of the last episode of the first season, the widow goes upstairs at the end of the show, you know, says, good night, Charlie, turns the lights off, just like she does in the movie. And there's a knock at her front door. And she opens the front door and there's Jamie at the front door smiling up at her. And there's like 50 other kids behind her because, you know, the widow is talking to kids like, you know, good night to all my little monsters out there. She's sending them poison when they buy her merchandise. So she's basically like the Pied Piper to an extent. That is sick. But you don't get all that from the movie, obviously. (laughs) Sounds like a YouTube series. Yeah, seriously, you need to pursue that. That's that's got a lot. I love that. Like I said, I can I can see all this. Just the the fact that you still that you have all of this story baked in, and yeah, I can tell because I mean, hell, we were talking about it even before we started. You've got a damn. You've got a song. You made a song specifically for <laughs> yeah. this stuff. That's something. So awesome. That's something I can relate with. I did the very same damn. Th- Actually, I I've done it a couple of times because. Of those movies, whenever we grew up, you have movies like, oh, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. That's the big one. Oh, yeah. But then you have you know, Hellraiser, Hellraiser 3. The Blob. And, uh, of course, Armor Set. Well, yeah, you got The Blob. Monster Squad was another one. Mm-hmm. Leatherface. Oh, yeah. You know, you have these films that where a band would do a specific song tied to the movie. And I had always laughed because they would have the title of the film somewhere in the lyrics. And they would also have, like, the heat of the night somewhere in the lyrics. Totally. You would hear them talking about how hot the night is or whatever. It just <laughs> the fact that you, you made a song about that. It, just, it made me smile after even watching the whole film and stuff. But then when the credits roll, I was like, first of all, the music cues in it were cool. Like with them running through the junkyard and the dismantler, like all of a sudden it starts going to this industrial thrash. I was like, Oh hell, this is cool. But then when the credits hit, I was like, Oh my God, that is the cheesiest, most hokey 80s hair metal <laughs> lick. And then when they start singing, I was like, Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, my I, I was a bartender for 10 years at this place. And um, one of my regulars, this couple, Karen and Vic, were just super cool people. I love them to death. And and Vic was in a, a pretty popular Chicago-based hair metal band in the 80s. And um, he, you know, and they've opened for all the hair metal bands you can think of. You know, Winger and Rat and all sorts of shit like that. Cinderella. And it's like... I basically just went to him. He's been telling me, Tony, when you make a movie, please let me write the music for it. Let me do something. <laughs> let me help. And and I just said, look, you've been asking me. Now's your chance. I, I need a hair metal song for the end credits of this movie. Channel your inner rat and give me oh, a yeah. fucking hair metal song. And <laughs> That's what I'm it. talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> him him and his buddy, Tim Tame. And then my, my friend, Shay Vilwak, uh, He's done a lot of my sound work on my movies and stuff in the past. And he just knocked it out of the park with the soundtrack for Skeletons in terms of the mixing and producing of it all. Um, Like he took all these guys songs and just took them to the next level. If you guys like the music, I highly recommend if you if you collect records, pick up the soundtrack. I've got like 10 copies left. And then um, you can also check it out digitally online. But it is a great soundtrack that. uh, about eight or nine different musicians contributed to. And, and the main one is DC McAuliffe, who uh, has written a lot of the music for my movies. Um, so, yeah, it's it turned out great. You know, Skeletons is something that, like I said, I've had it in my head for 20 years. And to finally see it come together visually, it, it really is a fun movie. And Rob did a great job shooting it and, and making it look great. And 
Um, you know, it's just, it's so cool. I'm just glad that people enjoy it. And I, I wish we could perpetuate it. You know, there's still the thought that one day we'll, we'll sit down and actually create some sort of show out of it. We've had a couple different opportunities here and there of potential, you know, opportunities to get it produced and it hasn't worked out one way or the other, but I'm hoping one day that we will go back and tackle it. It's just hard, man. You know, raising money to make a movie is tough. Raising money to make a show is tough. And, and nowadays there's so many people that are doing it that even if you try and do like a crowdfunding campaign or something, it's like, if I raise 10, 15 grand, that's not enough money to pay everybody to do this. And, and so it's hard to do, you know, just make, just make sure you get Ellie church. Oh, of course. Just got to have Ellie. If you find out how to do it, but please let me know. Cause I've been trying to do the same thing for years. Anyway, I do a, like a haunted house music and I've had to do audio drama. So, I mean, look at it this way. At least you do, you've got a full movie. So yeah, if you figure out how to do a serialized episodic TV series format, please God, let me know. <laughs> I, I really don't think it would be that difficult story wise because I mean, I pretty much just pitched to you what we would do. I mean, at this point, we would have to change the story with Jamie if we were to include her. Um, if it was a, t if it was a web series like on YouTube, I would probably just do the widow and Charlie introducing short films and, and watching shorts. But if we at this point now, Lainey is going to be 13 in like two weeks. So she was nine when we made the movie. So it'd be difficult for her to come back as Jamie unless I had said, it'd be really cool if we did do something again and bring Jamie back. Now she's the babysitter and she's watching a little kid and the kid's like, well, what are we going to do tonight? And she's like, how about we watch skeletons in the closet? And she introduces. <laughs> now that's uh, cool. Yeah. That's real cool. That's so. the worst thing about working with kids is that they grow like a damn weed. Yeah. Cause uh, I had my son, I would use his voice, you know, he's a little kid. And so I would always have little kids and like my audio drama stuff. It was great. And I mean, it was almost overnight. It goes from, yeah, we got to, hey, okay, dad, I do a voice. <laughs> well, there goes that. <laughs> and now, yeah. you know, I can't, you can't just go up to somebody's like, hey, you have a little kid, you know, can I, <laughs> can I use your kid to record some voices? And that just doesn't really fly over well. So I know the pain, trust me. <laughs> I've had to, when you say have her like be the babysitter, I've had to do the exact same thing wrote something for my son and then i was like well wait a minute his voice is too deep ah he could be the older brother now and it, yeah, yeah <laughs> i i'm all too familiar with it it's it's funny because we we kind of you know reminisced about that when i did the the second watch party that we did was it's my party i'll die if i want to which was a lot of fun we did the choose your own adventure version so the audience was watching along on facebook with us and i had like three or four of the main cast members um, and one of the couple of the producers and stuff on, on with me and everybody in the audience was commenting on which direction to take the characters when they would have the options to pick. And we were reminiscing about it on a zoom call afterwards. And um, you know, there is a sequel for it's my party called you would die too, if it happened to you. And the, the, the thought was, is that it takes place right after the first movie, kind of like Halloween and Halloween two. But now that Adrian Fisher, the girl who plays the main character in the movie, she was 20 when we were shooting it. Now she's, you know, 35. And so I was like, well, you can't obviously play her if we made the sequel. So uh, my thought is, is we'll remake the first movie, shoot the sequel, and we'll bring the original actresses back to play like the mothers now in the movie. And it's just funny to think that like 
we made that film that long ago that the characters can now play the mothers of their characters from the original movie. Dude, choose your own adventure movie. That That is so cool. I've been wanting to do one like that on YouTube where you use the annotations to choose the next video. I have, I've wanted to do one of those for a couple of years. It's just mapping it out and figuring out how to do that. It just, cause like you said before, is you don't really know about YouTube that I'm the same way. I don't know. I'm too busy doing things. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand the YouTube functionality, but I'd always thought it'd be cool to make, I'd have, you know, the, I had the movie written out and to do it like a choose your own adventure, but uh, it'd be like a first person choose your own adventure movie. And just at the end of the scene, the annotations pop up left or right, and you would have to click on it. You know, I'd always thought of doing something like that myself, but it's cool that you actually did that with people live. <laughs> what is it like Twitch plays Pokemon? Twitch watches yeah. skeletons in the closet. <laughs> it's It was a lot of fun, and the audience had a good time, and we did that because we've done it before live in a theater where, like, the audience gets, like, a red and a green glow stick, and, you know, we would basically say, okay, you know, this option A picks red, option B is green, and the audience would hold up the glow stick of the choice they wanted, and you would just pick the majority, and that's how you would lead the, the directions. And nowadays with things Fucking like brilliant. Anybody really could do that, you know, and that's the thing is I'm surprised there's not more examples of that, except that the reason why I haven't done it again since is because it's more expensive and more time consuming. You know, when you're an independent filmmaker, you're <laughs> trying your hardest to save money and pinch uh -huh. pennies and, and save time every step of the way. And, and so to say, OK, well, we're going to make a, an 80 minute movie but it's actually going to be a hundred minutes worth of shooting. Cause we have to get 20 minutes of adventure tangents and they're, and your producers are like, what are you talking about? Excuse <laughs> me. And, and on top of that, it's like, unless you have access to a platform digitally, that'll let you do choose your own adventure. Like how Netflix did it with uh, black mirrors bandersnatch. You, you can only utilize that special feature of the movie on dvd or blu-ray and and physical media is such a small percentage of movie sales these days that especially for a, a independent movie that doesn't get the the large-scale marketing um you know to get on the shelves of like walmart and shit it's just it's difficult to to stake a claim that doing a choose your own adventure movie is profitable and nowadays movies are not about the creativity it's all about the money you know very true. Still, you can make it like half an hour long. Yeah. Friend me after this. I need to bounce this idea off of you. You would know how to do it better than I would. So do not leave this chat. Y'all hear me? I'm going to tell my audience behind Y'all don't let him leave. Until, <laughs> so, yeah, don't leave without friending me because I'm, I'm going to pick your brain on this one. You guys should Seriously. all friend me anyway. We should all be supporting each other. You know, right. I'm, I'm surprised I've never talked to any of you guys in the past. It Definitely. Does. It's a big fucking community. It it, it will it never is. cease to amaze me how many horror fans there are in this world. You know, you seem. I don't know if it sound familiar or maybe just hallucinating. I, I mean, have you, you or Lance, have I met y'all? Have y'all ever been to like HauntCon? No. I mean, as I don't know. I feel like I have talked to you or something, and I, it's just one of those I can't place it, and I might not have never have. But it it feels like I have met you before. We're all just we're we're kindred spirits. We're all family. So. <laughs> that that must be it. I came to you in a dream. That's right. <laughs>
that's it. It's just it's the CRT pattern in the skeletons of the closet. It's like it kicked off some kind of old wavelength and got my brain pumping again. Right. Before you know it, you're going to be feeding somebody some widow's kiss. <laughs> I got a question for you, Tony. Uh, yeah. First of all, are you a friend? Are you a fan of the last drive-in? Uh, I I am, but I'm not. I. I like the concept, and I like Joe Bob, but I liked Joe Bob more 20 years ago. than Monster Vision. <laughs> He's, yeah, like, I, I like him, and I like the nostalgia that it, that, that what Shudder's doing with his show I think is great. The, the problem is, is that I feel like the few versions I've watched He's he's becoming too much of a surly old man, and it's like I get it. I'm 40, and I fucking hate the world too. But, <laughs> you know, it, there's there's a point where it's like we're supposed to be here to enjoy watching movies, not talk about you know getting annoyed and bitter about stuff. Which That's is funny because I'm I'm a cynic, so normally I'm the one bitching and moaning. So I'll try and stay positive tonight. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. So thank you, because that's leading into my question here. So his. He was ranting, of course. It's funny you say that. Uh, I don't know if you watched last week's episode. It was an anthology movie, too, called Scare Package. Yeah, I know the filmmakers who did that. Right, and he, Joe Bob, everyone has their opinions. He's not a fan of anthology movies. I love anthology movies. I can watch them all day long. But his point is there's too much uh, meta in anthology movies and that there's too much plot getting in the way of the story, you know? Yeah. And when I watch your movie, that's almost a direct dispute to that because the the skeleton almost acts as an anthology fan sitting there explaining the meta to people that are not paying attention. Like, just shut up and watch the movie. You didn't see the picture on the wall? Yeah. Like, are you, were you aware of those gripes for the genre and did you, like, intentionally pick at them or is that something that just happened? I, I mean, I'm not technically a fan of anthologies either. I, I like enough of them to to not rule them out as a form of, of entertainment but or storytelling. I just, I'm not generally a big fan of them. I love Creepshow, obviously Creepshow too. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, to me, it was more a matter of, of convenience because making a bunch of short films is cheaper and easier than making a feature length. Um, because a feature length involves a lot more dedication from the people involved. You know, your actors have to be there for a month shooting a movie instead of a short film where, you know, we shot grandma O'Malley's pantry in like five days. And so it's, and, and the same thing with the little girl and the babysitter, that was my family room at the house I used to live in with oh, wow. my two co-producers on the movie. The three of us guys lived in this house and we shot most of the movie there. So it was convenient and easy. And, um, so that's kind of what what skeletons is in, in that regard. It was more a convenience for the production's sake. But I don't know. I, I understand why people have gripes with anthologies. Uh, I want to get a little more invested with with my characters and with my story, um, because if it's good enough, I don't want to leave it. But the funny thing is, is that I, Charlie, to me, in skeletons is very appropriately written very well by my my co-writer john um and i think the great thing about it is that it comments on how audiences watch nowadays you know people no longer unless you're in the theater which theaters haven't even been open for three months now it's like if you're not watching a movie in the theater 10 minutes into it you're checking your facebook you're you know you're getting up to grab a drink or take a leak and you know or you're 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 fooling around with your girlfriend or whatever and it's just like to me People just aren't as involved in a movie. And so, I mean, shit, my fiance and I watched the movie earlier today. 
And she was like, what's going on? I don't understand this. I'm like, that's because you weren't paying attention 20 minutes ago. (laughs) And so, yeah, he's just kind of commenting on the climate, I think, of of watching movies. And and I think that that's funny. And and what I love about it most is that it gives his character more oomph. You know, it it gives him more presence because he can't move since he's a, a corpse. And so... Adam, who plays Charlie, really had to do a good job of emoting with his face and his mouth and the inflection of his voice and what he was saying to her. And I just think it's great that he keeps the widow in check because he is smarter than her, even though she ultimately outsmarted him by murdering him, you know. <laughs> and and so it's like he's in this hell, but he's going to give it he's going to give her a hard time as much as he can. And I think that's great. The dichotomy was funny. Oh yeah, their relationship was hilarious. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and that's and and that's at the time that we shot that I was single, but my co-writer John Lusick is married, and so I just said, dude, just think of Peg and Al Bundy. That's what I <laughs> right. I yeah. totally I can get definitely that see dynamic that. from it. Yeah. I can see that all yeah. day long. And so that's what it was, you know. It's like here's two people who have been together for 20 years, and they can't stand each other, but they love each other but they still can't stand each other. And, and so I think he did a really great job of writing their characters, you know, and, and Johnny's awesome like that. I'll send him kind of like, here's what I want to have happen. And here's what I've already got written. And he just fills it in so well. Um, so, yeah, I'm again, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. It's, it's a fun movie. It's batshit. It's, it's kind of all over the place. Some people have a hard time watching it and staying in tuned because it's bouncing all over the place. But I think that that makes it fun, you know, and you're you're constantly catching something. And, uh, you know, it definitely doesn't disappoint, I think, in the uh, the the attention catching department. Yeah, it certainly kept moving. Even I noticed that I even commented on it's like all the jump cuts. there. I think that's what it was called. That It was jumping around with it. And it it was kind of hard to get trying to follow what was going on. I said and as the movie was going, I was like, man, if this this needs to start making sense or i'm gonna get pissed but then sure enough it all started to coalesce together i was like oh, okay cool and then it it all started to make sense at which point those flashing images as i would seeing things come together i would start to think back at oh so the image we saw earlier was actually like a foreshadowing of what was going on and it just kind of helped unravel it it, I appreciated it after knowing it. Yeah, it was very. I haven't seen that many, if any, that actually do that, or that keep awesome. me, or that keep me sitting there watching it. <laughs> I need I mean, to that's, ask. That's that's awesome to hear. And and I, even if uh, a large percentage of you sitting your butt down to watch the whole movie was because you knew you were going to be interviewing me, I I'm just glad you watched it and you enjoyed it. And you know, we did the same thing with the rake where. You know, unfortunately, I think a lot of audiences will give the movie five minutes and if they don't like it enough, they turn it off and find the next movie in the queue or in the horror section on whatever streaming platform they're watching their movie on. And and it sucks because you have to watch the whole movie for both the rake and skeletons to understand what's going on because it's so involved. And um, and so I think it's great that you caught on to all that because that's the point. And, and that's what's so cool about skeletons is that all the stories really do play off of each other, even if they're not directly affecting one another. Even the plots are the same. And we didn't even plan that. You know, when we were shooting Meisner, which is the short film of the the actress in the basement 
rehearsing the lines for the character of a woman being tied up in a basement, you know, being abused by her husband. That short film was meant for World of Death, and we ended up ultimately putting it in Skeletons instead, and it just so happened to be about a woman murdering her husband, and then you've got the widow who murdered Charlie, and it just worked out perfectly. I love when stuff like that happens. Yeah, that I love it when when it works out like that. That's too great. It's almost like kismet when that happens. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of times in in film, you know, if you've ever been on a movie set, one where the the cast and crew really get along and and really care about one another's um, creative integrity and and each other's feelings. Um, and I'm very thankful that I have an amazing film family that I work with uh, and we've been working together for almost a decade now. And it's like when you have that symbiotic relationship with the people that you're creating something with, you feed off of each other and things just grow. I mean, you know, it's, and it's, it's a credit to everybody involved, you know, skeletons started on paper, but it was created when we shot it and it was created when it was edited and it was created when it was, you know, color corrected and the music added and everybody adds something to it to make it their own. And, uh, and luckily everybody's really good at what they do. I think if I can pat all my friends on the back a little bit there. Yeah, please do. <laughs> I think they deserve it. Well, yeah, thank absolutely. You. Did you stumble across the, um, the creepy pasta for the rake yourself? No, uh, Jason Kane, who's my special effects supervisor, he and I have been working together for years now, and he and I are both huge horror fans, and we like the same types of horror films, so we were hanging out one night, and uh, we were just bullshitting, and I was bitching about not being able to make a feature length of the muck, because we were trying to get it together, and we kind of, after a half a year, said, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stop trying to pursue this idea. And, um, and he's like, well, screw it. Let's make a movie about the rake or let's do a creepypasta. And I'm like, well, I, the only one I know is Slenderman. And we can't do that because I'm pretty sure someone would sue us. And he's like, well, let's do one of these other ones. Let's do the rake. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what that is. And so he gave me his phone and had me read the rake story. And I thought it was pretty cool and went to my co-producers, Rob Stern and Sarah Sharp and said, here's this idea. We shoot it with minimal actors in one location, so we'll save money, and I think we could do this. And we kind of started talking, and that's how it became a thing. We made that, we, we pre-production on that movie, like, literally went from, like, October, we had a script by December, and then in, in March we were shooting the movie. It was really crazy how fast that film came together. Wow, that was fast. Yeah. So I gotta ask the. Uh, I don't want to include any spoilers, but that reveal scene. Uh, uh, how much of that is uh, practical and not? <laughs> like at the end of the movie? Yeah, the end of the raid. It's it, the only thing that's that's CGI in the entire movie is at the beginning when the killer slits his throat and sprays blood. The blood that sprays out of his neck is CGI. Everything else um, is practical special effects. Um, we take great pride in, in all practical effects work with Scott Brady. Yeah, those monster effects are definitely the highlight of that film. Thank you. Yeah, they were, they were cool. I love the, when the little girl is the demon, the eye effects and everything. That was really cool. Oh, she had fun with that. <laughs> Alexa really loved that part. She's like, <laughs> I get to scare everybody? Yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> so, man, she's she's got to be like nine or ten now. That's crazy to think about. 
so yeah, it's we we had that movie was very stressful. I mean, it was uh, a lot of special effects, including obviously a full body creature suit. Um, you know, the rake monster was a really amazing thing to watch get constructed. Two effects guys, Tom Cassie and Reed Caesar, built that in the basement of the house that we were living in. They spent three weeks living with us and building that thing in our basement and uh jason kane sculpted the head and a whole bunch of people worked on the the effects for that movie i think we had about you know 10 or 12 effects artists on that movie um so yeah i think it turned out really cool you know it's 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 one of those films that i i wish it had been promoted more i wish that more people knew about it um i wish it got a little more love in regards to the the, the marketing of it but I'm glad it's out there and you know, it's, it was, like I said, it was a definite learning experience. It was the biggest scale production that, that we had been involved with at that time. So Tony wash, son of a bitch. What? <laughs> I knew I knew you. You're in my, all the gimmicks group. Oh, yeah. Do you what? ever listen? Do you ever listen <laughs> to the podcast? Astro radio Z? I've listened to a couple. I've been on with Derek. Derek's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I'm the bottom rack. That's me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the dumbass that does the bottom rack stuff. Dude, I knew. Aha! I knew I knew you. Sorry, I was just looking up to remind myself on there. And it's like, Tony, what? Tony? Tony, what? Of course I, of course I know him. Yeah. Anyway, hell yeah, I know you. Y'all stop laughing at me. Anyway, please continue. I'm sorry. That's awesome. That's funny. <laughs> Daniel's excited. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, that's great. And then it's like, oh shit! Now he does know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I like I said, it's a small community. That's why you're not supposed to piss anybody off. You know. That's right. Boom. Boom. That's, right. that's exactly right. Word <laughs> travels. That's that's today's moral value, kids. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Yeah, I think a lot more people in this world need to know that. Start paying attention. That's right. So, exactly. um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, I I wanted to ask you guys, like, as fans, because I don't know if any of you are actual filmmakers, but as fans of horror movies, and it sounds like you all at least have seen my movies, so I assume you like independent horror films. What What do you guys look for in independent horror? Like, what draws you to watch a movie that you've never heard of before. Dang, you want to take that one first? Uh, so yeah, I, at this point, he knows who I am. Um, nah, as it depends, honestly, on the mood. It depends on the presentation. It depends on, because I've grown up with this, so I'm, I will admit I'm a cynic and I'm jaded. Honestly, I have no real criteria other than if it's meta, it better be clever. I really don't like horror. I don't like comedy because it's never funny. I but agree. Again, it's all in the present. I hate mean spirited. I loathe mean spiritedness. I really despise it. I hate when people come across as snarky and talking down to you. Any of that. I really just don't like the pretension. But honestly, as of trying to change my attitude towards films for about the past decade, I I'm open to anything. But the most important criteria that I have is it's got to be fun. Whether it's, you know, hideously evil, like, you know, Evil Dead or hideously not very good, but still fun, like Demon Wind. It's got to be fun. 
But the bottom rack, the bottom line, the end-all, be-all, that box art better damn well match that movie. If your yeah. box art <laughs> looks like the most badass, awesome thing, and you pop in that film, and there is nothing on that box art, yeah, I do not like it. That Honestly, that's probably the biggest one that gets me. <laughs> That's how I that's how I felt when I saw the rake box art. I was like, that doesn't represent our movie. God damn it. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh god, yeah. It it looks like a sci fi channel movie. It makes me want to take a dump and throw it at Oh me. man. Uh, <laughs> the, truth the skeletons is I'm telling you, the skeletons in the closet, that cover, that's the cover I look for. If I just saw that in a video store and I was a kid, I'm taking that home right. right. I want that I want that poster. Yeah. That's what I well, had to ask I've got those. Posters, so you boys support some indie horror here. Yeah, um, I'll be getting one of those. Brian Glosmeyer is the artist. He lives in uh, in Missouri, and he's actually doing some more art for me uh, for some pitch decks. And he's dude's awesome. He does amazing work. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Man, yeah, I mean that that's the that was the catcher for me too is the artwork. So something like skeletons in the closet. I see the artwork. I see that it's an anthology. I didn't know I had boxes to check, but your presentation was already checking those boxes. So when I click play, like, well, okay, I mean, there's going to be something in here I'm going to like. Good. Good to hear. Yeah, I'm easy to please, man. Like like Daniel said, if the if the box art matches the contents, I grew up on Full Moon and Cheese, so I am I can digest a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at my, uh, my letterbox here. I watched over 300 movies in 2019, and 90% of that was horror. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife and I have a really high tolerance for just ingesting horror films. And, awesome. Like, there's not even anything I can think of that I look for on the front end of going into a horror film. But, you know, like Tony said, I love independent horror. And what really st- makes something stand out to me is just earnestness and sort of passion. So, you know, even if something is just not technically great as long as you can tell that the people that made it had fun making it that that really just makes a movie good especially in horror right that's what i hate about like about independent horror is i feel like people look at the horror genre and say well shit everybody who's successful as at filmmaking started by making a horror movie you know so let's make a horror movie because that's easy and it's like they don't half the time i don't think that they have a true love for the genre and so they don't they don't know what fans want because they're not a fan themselves. And exactly. I like, and, and I've, I mean, I'm not even going to mention names or mention the movie that I'm talking about, but I had that problem with a co-producer at one point where I was just like, you're trying to tell me what to do. And you've blatantly told me you're not a fan of horror movies. Stop telling wow. me how to make a horror movie. If you're not a fan of the genre, you don't understand it. You know, like I just, it's just so fucking weird. But that's because, again, it goes back to the fact that you know, movies are meant to make money, and that's what is important to the people who are in control of movies. You know? So, anyways, we don't have to talk about the boring business end of it. Let's talk about the, the fun shit. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so, Tony, is there, uh, is there any other creepypasta maybe you've come across that you would take a stab at that kind of film again? There. Oh, um, Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. We got you, Lance. Yeah. Um, I really, I really loved Channel Zero's, like the, the concept of Channel Zero. Oh yeah. Oh man. I'm a huge fan of Channel Zero. Yeah. I was so bummed when that got canceled because to me, it's like all four seasons started out really awesome. And I think all four seasons really ended poorly, but I, I just, I loved 
each of the ideas of the seasons. So I, it would be tough for me to, to say, okay, well, I'm going to take a creepy pasta and turn it into something. I'd love to do Slender Man. I think that Slender Man is a really cool concept. Hell yes. Um, I think you could probably do better than what's been done. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I think I could, I think that I would just do something different. I, I think that the, I believe I've seen two, maybe three Slenderman movies and they, the, the concepts of the movies are cool and they all possess really cool aspects. Even the big budget one, I remember sitting down and starting to watch it and I got maybe 30 minutes into it and I was like, this is pretty cool. I don't know why everybody hated it. And then it took a sharp left turn. It's stupid and never right. turned back. Right. Know? <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, the best thing Slenderman related has been that Beware the Slenderman documentary. About... Are you good? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, the documentary about the two girls who were, quote unquote, influenced by Slenderman to yeah. actually kill those, yeah. kill that little girl. I think that was a pretty great movie. I haven't seen that, but that's a fucked up story. I mean, to for think sure. That... That, you know, it scares me, it scares the shit out of me to have a kid because it's like all they got to do is get on their phone and search something and learn shit that they shouldn't be learning. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I grew up on horror films and I'm not out there murdering people, <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> as far as, yeah. Not yet. Are, are you guys familiar with Marble Hornets? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, one of the earliest stabs at, at making a... Uh, a film series based on Slender Man, and that's literally just a couple of guys who I think came from Alabama, and and they were just out in the woods with cameras, and that's one of the strongest creepypasta uh, films or you know film works that, that that that's been made. I mean, it it actually got them the budget to do that Slender Man movie. I think it was called Always Watching. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's not bad. They, I remember there's a lot of parts in that that were really creepy too and i thought i thought it ended poorly but they even had like um i think her name is like alexandra breckenridge who was in like the a bunch of the american horror story episode uh, seasons um so i was i was pretty impressed by that like here you know you guys it's an example of how youtube can you know make you successful as a, a legitimate filmmaker um so i i was like you know bravo to them but uh yeah, it's it's definitely an untapped resource. I think creepy pastas are really great, and as much as any urban legend, I think is a great source for horror. You yeah. just have to find the right one and make sure you're not stealing a copyright. You know. I remember always watching. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the screenshots. I actually really enjoyed that. I'm like I said before, I'm easy to please, but I remember watching because Slender Man hit me at the perfect time. It just whenever it had the undercurrent of it. And so I will watch anything with Slender Man. I will watch it. I will enjoy. I probably won't necessarily care for the direction it goes or whatever, but it doesn't matter. You got my money. I'm still going to, it's like full moon drops a movie. It doesn't matter. Charlie's got my money. He knows I'm going to watch it. I'm what do they call it? In the, I'm a Mark. <laughs> it's just, it's plain and simple. So yeah, y'all just keep talking Slender Man. That's fine. I'm going to watch it. If you make a show, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's the great thing is about like about uh, something that that has that following. It's like I I am I guess envious is definitely a way to put it, but um, it's like it's not even so much envious. It's like I look at people who have a franchise or who have the potential for a franchise 
And I'm just like, man, you are so lucky that you have that opportunity to perpetuate success off of an idea. I mean, you look at look at Hatchet, which is essentially just a, a remaking of Friday the 13th. And there's four of those movies and it created Adam Green's career. And Adam Green is, has spent the last 15 years making movies full time and living a, a life doing that. And it's like, you know, it's so cool to, to see that that is still possible. Um, I just wish it was more, uh, you know, more abundant in the genre. I don't feel like, you know, you'll see another insidious movie because James Wan's got more money coming out of his ass than you know, <laughs> the Rockefellers do. But, yeah, right. But it's like I don't blame him because ev- everybody and their mother is going to go see it in the theater, and he's going to make sixty million off of it. So why not? You know. Yeah, I exactly. Would, I would love to have the opportunity to do that. You know, and obviously you said you'd love to see more skeletons. It'd be great to make a show out of it and make it successful. But there's a part of me that doesn't want to perpetuate skeletons yet because I think that it could be successful if it had enough support behind it to, to get it out there so that people would find out about it and love it. If it only has a hundred viewers, it's not ever going to be successful enough for us to go and make season two. And, you know, you, you still have to be able to put food on the table while you're also making these movies. You know, I'm right. not 20 anymore. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. It's all part of the grind. I, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> I think Lance has got to be getting out of here pretty soon. So if right, well, anybody buddy, has anything else, now would be uh, the time to ask. Yeah, this is your chance, Tony. Show your shit. You're familiar with this. We've been on, well, we've brushed elbows before in other podcasts. What have you got coming up? What are you working on? What are you doing? Talk to us. Tell us something. Uh, at this point, um, I, I've really spent quarantine developing scripts. I've got a couple co-writers that, um, we've been working on a couple of the different ideas. And uh, so I'm really kind of just building the pitch deck of, of all these different projects. That way, when things start lightening up a bit, I have, you know, the preparation to go in and pitch ideas to other people. Um, we're obviously we were working on Scotchworthy TV here and there, trying to get that beefed up a little bit. Um, you know, I'd like to at least hit an initial legacy of getting a hundred subscribers. Um, that way I can customize my URL. But other than that, it's like, you know, it's, it's just kind of for fun right now until we get a little more serious, but working on a few other things. I've been talking to, um, the Kings of horror guys, which is a really popular horror YouTube channel with over a million subscribers Oh yeah, doing a, a hosted show there for world of death. Um, which would be kind of cool. Um, and then we're, I, I'm in talks to try and get a feature length of the muck going at this, which was, yeah, we, we just resurrected that recently. And, uh, so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that that happens because that would be a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, that's, that's pretty much what we've got going on right now. Otherwise it's just a lot of personal shit. Like I said, I'm, I'm gutting a hundred-year-old house and renovating it, so I, I've been busy. Dude, you got the monk. You need to get in with the asylum. That way, I can do the mockbuster summer on it in a couple of years whenever you release it. I I would not release a movie through asylum if you fucking paid me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come I, on, man. And I have no problem saying that. I think that I th- I like I I say bravo to them for finding a way to make a shit ton of money and 
I've even got <laughs> friends that have worked on some of their movies, but I am not interested in, I, I would direct Sharknado six because it's a paycheck. But other than that, I'm not, I'm not interested in making a shit movie and their movies are shit. I'm sorry. Those are like my least favorite. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, Great. again, I, I get what they're trying to do, but it's like, come on. Like, you know, you, if you've got the money to make movies, why are you making ripoff movies of big budget movies? Why not? If I had, if I had whatever they've got, let's say they've got a million dollars a year and they have to make 10 movies. Okay. So you're making 10 movies for a hundred grand each, which they're not, they're making movies for 700,000 a piece. So if you're making 10 movies for $700,000 each year, that means you've got a $7 million budget every year to make movies. I'm making better movies than that. You know, and there's and the reason why I say that is is not because I'm cocky or because I'm entitled. It's because I have spent 15 years in the independent horror scene and there are so many awesome, amazingly talented storytellers out there that just need an opportunity to tell their story and show people what they've got. And it's like companies like Asylum should be investing in those types of people. Go to the horror film festivals and watch the short films and find a filmmaker that you like and give them a budget to make a movie. Don't go and make fucking transmorphers when transformers comes out. <laughs> like, get the fuck off that bandwagon and, and make something unique and original. So that's awesome. I love it. You just I killed your you, chances for Sharknado versus the rake, man. <laughs> have you got a, have you got a website? I, yeah, you can go to scottsworthy.com. Now I'm going to get all this hate mail from Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my buddy is actually really pissed with them because, uh, and if any of you know him, you would, I'm not going to say his name, but you would know the story probably because he bitches about it a lot. And to his credit, you know, he basically sent them an email because you can like pitch them ideas via email. You like submit them at their website. No. And he sent them the idea of doing Abraham Lincoln versus the zombies or versus vampires or something. And um what whatever they did Abraham Lincoln uh versus the zombies, I think. The one with Bill O'Barrest. Uh-huh. Is which I love Bill. Bill and I worked on a movie twelve years ago at this point. So um it was awesome to see him playing Abraham Lincoln and he did a hell of a job. But my buddy's like, dude, I pitched them that fucking idea. And a year later, that movie comes out released by them. And I never got any credit. And it's like, dude, that's bullshit. Like if all, all they would have had to do was say, it's a great idea. We'll give you a story by credit and, you know, sign this paper saying that we have the rights to do it. And, you know, it would have made just that I'm, I'm for real. Just that, just a story by to give you that credit, which gives you credence and a little bit of clout. Exactly. To where you can go and do more because exactly. yeah, people like ideas are cheap. Fuck you. I'm a musician. I'm a composer. Get the fuck off. I know what cheap is. So go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sensitive issue. Anyway, <clears throat> just no, a simple story by, you know, you we're on the same wavelength. I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I was saying a few minutes ago about them having budgets and not making original content. It's like to each their own, they can do whatever they want with their money. I'm certainly not going to be the high and mighty one to tell them what to do with their, with their budgets. But I just feel like it would be a much more, it's what world of death is. I just don't have the money to give the filmmakers in world of death money for their movies or to make new movies. Otherwise I would be producing world of death presents, you know, 
this movie and it would be a movie that we produced with the filmmakers from world of death that we like their content of, you know? And it's just, it's so funny to me that, that people don't, and, and it's not like it doesn't happen at all. It does happen. I just don't think it happens enough. Right. And I think part of that is, you know, there's a competition obviously um, in the industry. I was reading a lot of really shitty stuff on Facebook today about, some competition and bullying and stuff that's going on in the independent community right now. And, and, um, it's just funny. It's like, I don't, I don't, there's plenty of money and there's plenty of movies and ideas to go around. Everybody should just support one another. And, um, as far as I'm concerned, it's us against Hollywood. It's not us. Amen. That's Lance. What yeah, do you do? We, uh, we have a podcast on the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade, the Wagner Wiles. That's my, myself and my wife, my be- the beautiful Samantha Wagner, who uh, has to do a shot before every show because <laughs> <laughs> she still gets nervous. But uh, we have fun. We talk horror. We talk uh, the, the premise of our show that George wanted to see was um, the way a married couple would watch a movie. And so our first if you, if you want to go back and look at the other the earlier episodes, our very first episode was the uh, Suspiria, 77 versus the remake. And uh, that was all George's idea. And it was to see, you know, how you know who liked what more and lighting and yada, yada, yada. And so that's what we're, we're trying to we work and we kind of turned into a guest driven show. So we've had guests on uh, independent horror, uh, Billy Pawn of circus of the dead we just we can't push that that sh- that movie enough so yeah but, we, uh, that's, we're friends with you on facebook <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i love circus of the dead and we got to hang out with them at, in bastrop at the cult classic convention and uh billy's just he's he's a different he's really different he'll and he'll tell you i was gonna say earlier for me on my movies Billy will be the first to tell you I like everything, so he always gives me shit about that. So, <laughs> so hey, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. You know, I'm not the one to, to ask there's about. Nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with supporting independent horror movies. I think it's awesome that you enjoy that movie and that you. you the fact that you pimp stuff like you do, it means a lot to people like us. You know, and and I'm sure that you know people say good things about Billy, and obviously I ju- I was just raving about Bill O'Bears Jr. So. Right. You know, right. it's it's just nice to see people supporting people like that, you know, and that's what and that's what we're all about. We we Samantha and I are pushing positivity. We're pushing, you know, like I'm 50. Samantha's going to be 51 this month where she does her thing. I do my thing. We feel like we're at we have peaked. That's what you know. maybe not so much. I'm not trying to speak for her. I feel like we've peaked and we're, <laughs> and, and, and we're cheer we're cheering for everybody to be successful. And that's the truth. Right. That's why coming on coming on this podcast tonight was so awesome. I want to see you guys do great. I, you know, I want to Tony. I just I want to see Tony be a household name and can just pick just he has to turn movies down. You know, I'm dying to see that. You know, I I would love that to happen too. Trust me, every day. I mean, I it's my dream and I would love for that to happen. It's, but it takes a lot of people, you know, people have to catch on to something and talk about it enough to where other people catch on to it. But I'm still sitting here reeling at the fact that you're 50 fucking years old. Dude, you look like you're 30. Dude, I, this is colored. (laughs) I did not know you were 50 years old. Yep. January made 50. So you're you're like grandpa, dude. And that's, and that's what the quarantine 15 too. So, you know, (laughs) <laughs> as soon as I get back in the gym, it's on, baby. 
Peter's <laughs> <laughs> on. And, I, and I, I really, this is great to get to see how you guys do y'all's podcast, and you guys are amazing. Tony is just, <laughs> no need Tony's amazing. I, I can't get over Tony. Tony can just, <laughs> wow. Good oh, stuff. You don't have to bother us. I can come back on. <laughs> you guys I, I love awesome. how much Lance like stroking the egos. You're such a sweetheart. <laughs> the world needs more people like you, sir. I'm telling you, it's amazing. One random word, just one little offhanded sentence <laughs> right. that you happen to enjoy a film can send somebody just on cloud nine. I have been on cloud nine all day myself just because somebody sends me just, I was doing a show last night. And somebody recorded like five seconds of it That's and awesome. sends, sends me a message on Facebook and just says, I am a fucking glorious, magnificent bastard <laughs> is watching the show streaming and sends me out on their phone and sends it to me. And it just makes my night. <laughs> and I'm spending all day just walking around just like, yeah, I am a glorious bastard. That's right. <laughs> so you, you never know. The right person's going to read that one little polite right. sentence or whatever. even if it sucks you can find something good about it i mean right. for christ's sake my podcast is the bottom rack you can find <laughs> something to enjoy and i'm going out of my way for this and i end up liking more movies than i don't because like right. i said because my only criteria is that as long as the box art matches i'm cool because i i'm easy to please there isn't too much i'm just a big kid so, you know, the criteria is real easy to get me. <laughs> but yeah, it was, look, thanks y'all for coming on. Tony, I know you. I know where you are now. Cause I, I knew I knew you from so I know where anyway. you live, Tony. That's <laughs> right. We will be chit chatting back and forth. Next time, I promise to at least act a little more friendly to the fact that we're friends, but I knew I recognized you. <laughs> That's good but, uh, stuff. It's all good. I'm still trying to remember all y'all's names. <laughs> That's, it will be a test. There will be a test. Of you <laughs> this is the only way we can get through podcasts by a committee. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Is, you know, you never know. One per we just kind of feed off of each other. One person might kind of run out of ideas, and instead of the awkward silence and the recharge, it was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> "That's good stuff." And you sit there for like twenty seconds, and somebody can jump right in and muscle up to it, be like, "So, Daniel, you take this one. I got to use the bathroom." That's it. <laughs> but yeah, look, y'all. Thank you so much for jumping on. If you ever want to come back on, you want to talk stuff, if you want to do a cross podcast promotional or stuff, you know who I am, you know who we are. Just reach out. We'd, I'd be, I'm, I'm speaking the, the I, the royal I, the we would be more than happy to do that. And by we, I mean I, but I know we all would anyway. Oh yeah, Lance, you already know Tony. Anytime, it's no problem. Yeah. Much appreciated, guys. If you got nice. something coming out, tell me. Let me know because all the other groups I'm in or whatever, I can throw something okay. we can throw a flyer or we can do something or we I can, can do a review i can put Absolutely. a bumper spot we'll review it whatever so especially now it's coming up i probably won't be able to do it for the mockbuster summer but i'm coming up for like a mockbuster halloween as well so if y'all have just a little promo spot like a little radio ad that you have or something just let me know i'd be more than happy to put it on there no appreciate you guys having me on the show just you know Please do your do me a favor and pimp the stuff. You know, share the episode. When is it going to go live? Do you think? I sh I'll have this up in the next day. Oh, okay, cool. cool. Yeah, share the link with me and and you know tag me in the post and I'll share it and and share it wherever you'll put in all the gimmicks, put in all these groups and and uh, hopefully get some new fans coming my way. And you know I appreciate that you guys enjoyed the movies as much as you did and that you wanted to 
to sit down and talk to me about it. It means a lot to me. Yeah, man. Make more. Yes, sir. Y'all have a That's good right. one. I'm trying, dude. Give me a million dollars. Well, damn, if that worked, I mean. That's I'll, all. That's all, Tony. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go make. I'll, you give me a million bucks. I'll go make you four really cool movies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, have a good evening, good night, and toodles and all that. Catch y'all later. Toodles. See you later. <laughs> See <ya. laughs> Bye, y'all.